Good morning. Great day here at First Baptist Lindell. Thank you for being here. Uh, this is something we've been shooting for for about 10 months now, and it's here. Uh, so thank you for being here. On this day, March 11, 2018, we as a pastor search committee would like to present to you, First Baptist Church of Lindell, our recommendation for senior pastor. His name is James Eric Welcher. Our complete report and recommendation is included in a package you will be given at the close of today's service. It includes a copy of Eric's biography, our recommendation for his salary and compensation, and a copy of our new pastor's policy manual. This endeavor, we as a committee were commissioned with, started on April 24, 2017, when we had our first meeting. Thereafter, we as a committee met 31 more times. In these 32 meetings, combined with our personal time <clears throat> spent at home, we have spent hundreds of hours pouring over and discussing the 249 resumes we received. Among the 248 resumes, we identified nine potential candidates, all of whom were pursued and contacted to no avail for a number of different reasons. We continue to be very diligent in our effort and our pursuit. At times becoming frustrating, but continue to always trust in God. Then God revealed the man he had chosen for us. Eric, resume number 249. <laughs> we as a committee and you as a church have remained fervent in prayer, asking God to lead us to the man and his family that he had prepared for our church, and through that obedience and prayers, they were answered. Thank you for your patience and prayers and giving us seven individuals the opportunity to serve in this endeavor. In closing, I would like to share a quote from missionary Jim Elliott. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Thank you. Good morning. This is kind of an uh, emotional day. Anytime I get up here, it seems like it's emotional. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it. Um, Eric was my youth pastor, and to see this transition has just been unbelievable. Uh, I just wanted to share a few thoughts about um, the process. So, as Paul said, we received 249 resumes. I actually have to correct him. Eric was number 232. Um, he was 232 because we wanted to continue on just like we would with any other candidate. Um, so we went ahead and received another batch of resumes. Uh, went through those resumes while we prayed over Eric's resume. So he was, he was number 232, um, which may not seem like a big deal, but you know we were thinking somebody might think, um, oh, well, Eric was the last resume we received, that was the easy choice. No, we went through the process just like we would with any other applicant. Um, also, like we would have done with somebody, uh, anybody else, we did a full background check. Uh, we did a uh, full credit check, we did a college transcript check. He did pass all of his classes. <laughs> uh, and everything, I, I, I'm happy to report that everything went through perfectly fine. Uh, he, is, he is 
just exactly who you think he is. Uh, we also interviewed Eric and Kim and spent a lot of time with them, just questioning their desires, uh, questioning their, their hearts. Um, not, that we, not that we needed it, but we felt like uh, to do a service to you guys and to the church and the congregation that we had to go through this process just like we would with any other candidate. Uh, we also sent Eric with a um, questionnaire that we had been given through our training with the Georgia Baptist Convention uh, that was very detailed, and, and Eric answered it, and, and it was just perfect. Uh, well, everything, everything just went so well throughout the process, but we wanted to make sure you guys knew that uh, everything we did, we did just like we would do for any other candidate, and I'm happy to report Eric passed with flying colors. Um, we also did call all four references. Uh, all four gave glowing, unwavering recommendations on Eric's behalf. Um, it's been a humbling experience to go through this as a part of this committee. Uh, so it, it's just been amazing to see God's hand at work uh, throughout this whole process. Thank you. Uh, as a committee, I just want to tell you how thrilled we are to finally have a face for what, who we see as our pastor, and, uh, and that being Eric uh, is just even more awesome, uh, but we are thrilled, and it's just how God orchestrated <clears throat> everything that uh, fell into place, you know, this church and, and us, we've been praying so long to have somebody as our pastor. And I believe that it took that long for God to change Eric's heart. He was content to where he was, and he, you're going to hear about all that today. So let me get back to my notes so I don't take up everybody's time. I um, <clears throat> just want to take a few minutes and tell you about the surveys that we got. Uh, each one of the members, we read all the surveys. Uh, if you remember, we did that maybe uh, at the first part of this. Uh, many, let me just go over a few themes, common themes there that uh, many of the people put down on their survey. One was uh, the state of the, the church. How do, you, how do you feel the church is going? Many felt like it was stagnant, you know, that, that we could be doing a whole lot more. Uh, I believe that Eric would give us a shot in the arm and, um, oh, time's up already. <laughs> I believe that Eric would give us a shot in the arm and, uh, and maybe this church can get back on fire for God and, and we'll, we'll charge hell with a water pistol. And uh, I believe with his ambition, his creativity, which is off the charts, uh, especially for people like me who's not. <laughs> so, um, uh, and his eagerness to follow the Lord. I hope that you see today his eagerness and uh, to follow the Lord's will um, throughout his whole really his whole life and um, others commented about uh, the future pastor's wife and his family uh, I cannot think of a better role model and examples of these two still young people you know uh, uh, and their their kids their boys you know they're all serving and they're incredibly musically talented so you know I'm envious um, it's a struggle I, that's why I run sound so <laughs> I try to make these guys sound good and because I can't sing. <laughs> um, others was uh, his vision, his integrity. 
uh, transparency, his willingness to serve. To me, there's no one else. There's no one else up there with with uh, inte- integrity like Eric. Uh, it just it's just really neat how God kind of moved all this in and and um, uh, worked this out for Eric. This is, goes along with our surveys. And the last thing, uh, many wanted the new pastor to be seen and involved in the community. This, I think, was the number one uh, survey question. So, guys, I can't think of another person who is more involved and who is more seen and, and known throughout this community than Eric. He has already proven himself in that. And, um, guys, to me, it's, after the Lord revealed this to us, I can't think of another person that's better um, than him. The other thing is, uh, we did not choose Eric. Um, just because he was, we couldn't find anybody else. We, uh, you know, he was the easy choice or anything like that. God, we were diligent in what we were doing. You guys were diligent in praying. Uh, we prayed and we fasted. And 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 those of you who have um, been through the book Experiencing God will kind of realize this: that when you're doing God's work and God shows up then we have to be able to recognize that and move into where God's working well guys for me and this committee I feel like God is is working through Eric um, and I'm very excited to uh, be a part of this and uh, uh, recommending him for this church When I taught Eric in the ninth grade, I didn't realize he'd be my senior pastor one day. (laughs) Nor when I taught his mother as well. But anyway, um, we have received many confirmations for this man right here to be our pastor. And I want to share one with you that I personally received. We had arranged a meeting with uh, Eric and Kim on a Monday night to interview them the first time we met with them. Uh, On the Friday night before that, John and I were out with our Friday night crowd that we go out to dinner with on Friday nights, and Ann Davis was sitting beside me. And she leaned over and she said, I need to share a dream I had with you. And I said, okay because we were not calling names at that time, we still referred to Eric as his number. (laughs) You know, we did, we kept it quiet. Okay, but anyway, Ann said, I dreamed that uh, the pastor search committee was meeting and I went down to the church and I just went in that room and I said, why are y'all still searching? Our pastor is right here, his name is Eric. So I said, really? (laughs) I mean, you know, (laughs) we were, (laughs) Uh, we were to be very quiet. We, we covenanted that these seven people would not speak of this outside. So anyway, um, that's just one of many confirmations that we've had. And uh, there is no doubt in my mind that God has prepared him. We've said over and over again that we've prepared, we prayed for God to prepare the heart of the man that was to be our pastor. And I told Eric that, and he said, well, I've been praying that too. Anyway, we're excited. I was so excited about today. I don't do this. 
teach first grade. Don't talk to adults. Um, but anyway, I'm going to kind of touch on a few things that Jason touched on. Um, over the last 10 months, you know, this has been a long process. Yes, we've looked at many resumes. We've listened to a sermon by every one of those, just about. We've prayed that um, God would prepare the heart of the person that we were supposed to be looking for and supposed to be led to. Um, and then, just to go back to what Jason said, as a church and a committee, some of the things that everyone voiced that they wanted in a preacher, we wanted someone that would follow God's lead um, and preach his word. We wanted someone that was energetic, someone that would relate to all um, groups of our church, all ages from the children up to the senior adults, um, someone that was involved in the community and the schools. Eric goes down and does some things with the high school class, so he's very involved down there. He's seen in the community. Um, somebody that could just relate to our church and to all the families that we have in our church. And we also wanted um, someone with a wife and children that supported everything that he would be doing. Uh -huh. Um, we believe that God has answered these prayers and that he is sending us a godly, an honest, a loyal man to lead us. Um, he also has a loving wife that you all know and three wonderful sons um, who are actively involved in the parable communities um, down in the schools. I know these two have done some things with the FCA down there, I've seen videos posted of them playing for them, so very involved with what they do. Um, so we feel that God is blessing us with a community, I mean with a family that is talented, supported, involved in the church, as well as the community, loves God, and truly loves Lindell First Baptist. Um, back when we met with Kim and Eric, we did hear their heart. We were able to, and you're going to get to hear some of that today, but we were able to actually hear what they believe in their heart. And they touched on a few things that were important to them, and they said that, you know, one of the main things is they want to follow God. They want to follow the leading of God. They want to be transparent at all times, and they want to have an open-door policy, basically, where we all know that, they're there for us at any time. So we're excited to see what God is going to do with our church. I think I'm the only one that doesn't have notes to read off of. But um, anyways, um, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. What are we going to do about a youth pastor? Well, um, what better man to head that process of finding a youth pastor than the best youth pastor I could have ever asked for. Um, he has the biggest heart for kids um, y'all's age and my age, and um, he is so creative and he loves us so much, and there's no way we would have somebody in that department that didn't feel the same way. And um, I see really big things for this church in the future, and we are headed in such a great direction. I really feel like the youth group is gonna be revitalized 
and I feel like this church is going to be revitalized. And I'm personally very excited for the future, and I hope all of you are too. Um, Eric, I love you so much, and you are the best youth pastor I could have ever asked for. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, I do have notes. Uh, I'm old, so. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, thank you for allowing me to serve on the Pastor Search Committee. Uh, it has been a pleasure to serve with uh, this group of people who really wanted to follow God's will. I was the only one of the group of seven that had ever served on a Pastor Search Committee uh, before. Uh, that was 40 years ago. Uh, if I learned anything 40 years ago, I either forgot it or it didn't apply today. With one exception, God hasn't changed in those 40 years, and he still leads if we will uh, let him lead us. <clears throat> one of the changes in those 40 years is technology. 40 years ago, uh, the committee uh, loaded into John Cooper's conversion van and made our visits that way. Uh, today, we were able to hear prospects preach over the Internet. We heard preachers in Georgia, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Kentucky, Virginia, Connecticut, Illinois, Texas, Colorado, California, and my personal favorite where I wanted to do a site visit, Hawaii. <laughs> We're still considering that last one. <laughs> God has directed us through each of the resumes we considered. He closed doors when it was his will and opened others we did not expect. As you leave service today, please take a copy of the Pastor Search Committee report and recommendation. Uh, as Paul said, you'll find a copy of Eric's biography, the committee's salary and compensation recommendation, and a copy of the new pastor policy manual which puts in writing the pastor's obligation to the church and the church's obligation to the pastor. We think we have enough copies, uh, but please take one, only one set per family, and if others are needed, we can get some more copies made. <clears throat> we will have a question and answer session this evening at 6 p.m. in the church sanctuary. Please come with any questions you might have after looking over the package. The committee has tri tried very hard to do things in accordance with uh, the church constitution. Next Sunday, at both the early and late morning services, a vote will be taken of all church members present. The vote will be on the adoption of the report of the committee, and the question will be, shall the report of the committee be received and its recommendation adopted? Church members will vote yes or no. Again, thank you for allowing me to serve. Uh, please continue to pray this week and, and as we go forward for Eric, his family, and our church. <clears throat> when our committee began its work, Paul had three ring binders made for each of us, which had this verse on the cover. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me.
when you seek me with all your heart. That's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Thank you. Wouldn't you like to express your appreciation to this committee? I think uh, story changer is a good theme for this morning, don't you think? I think story changer for this church. I know that it, it's, this is a story changer for me and for my family. In everything, God is always in control. Amen? God is always working. Amen? And God is always good. Again, just as I have um, before in the past 10 months, I find myself this morning in a place that I've never been before. Um, I'm extremely grateful for and humbled by this committee's report today and by your response in, in this past week, the kindness and encouragement that you've expressed to me and to my family and I'd like to, I would like to commend this committee and say that they have been incredibly faithful, sincere, thorough, and diligent to seek God's leadership above everything else in all that they've done. And uh, I think they deserve another round of thanks from this church. I want to do something a little different this morning. If, if I were coming to you this morning as, as a prospective pastor and you didn't know me and this was the first time we were meeting, of course I would have prepared the best sermon I could uh, to, to show you what God was capable of and what I was capable of. But because we're already a family, you already know me. You already know whether you like to hear me preach or not. So I don't have to help you there. <laughs> but because we're already family, and you know so much of me that you need to know already, I wanted to use this time this morning to attempt to share how my heart and how God has, has brought us to this place, how God has put me here in this place on this day for this reason. I'm sure many of you have questions, and I hope to answer some of those questions simply by being open this morning with my heart and just sharing a little bit of my testimony over the past six months. I also encourage you, at the, when this is all over today, if you still have questions, I, I would love to see you tonight. I would love to be able to, to even expand on what I share this morning because uh, I know I have a time limit, and I know I'm auditioning for that a little bit. Because I know the first thing many of y'all thought was we're never going to get out of church on time if this happens. I know that. Not naive at all. Um, I thought I would always be a youth pastor. Nineteen years ago, God gave me my first opportunity to serve at Antioch Baptist Church out in Armurchie, and For the past 16 years of that 19, I've been here with you. And until the past 10 months, I've never wavered in that calling. Um, I've always wanted to do this. And in those 19 years, 
people over the years have asked me from time to time, do you ever see yourself being a pastor? And my answer was always an adamant and immediate no. In the past couple of years, the reality of change began to set in here at our church. Um, first, uh, Tim began to have, Pastor Tim began to have conversations with us as a staff, explaining that he knew his retirement was imminent. Uh, and then after that, Kevin, our minister of music, was called away to another church to continue his ministry. And then, and then Jim Cook, our associate, he um, came to a point in his life where he knew God was leading him to retire and spend more time investing in his family. And then after Kevin's departure, Pastor Tim began to share with me um, what God was working in his heart. Behind the scenes, before anybody else knew, he was having conversations with me because he, he valued our, our relationship, our friendship, and he always wanted, he didn't want to catch me by surprise. And so he began to share with me how God was moving and leading in his heart. And the prospect of him transitioning to a new church became a real thing. And then early in March, um, I was, Kim and I were gifted with um, a, a very special thing. Um, an anonymous person, actually, had gifted us with um, a gift certificate for us to spend a weekend at a place called The Cove. It's the Billy Graham Training Facility that's called The Cove in Asheville, North Carolina. And we were super excited about that. And, and we did what was called a personal spiritual retreat. It was a three-day experience there, um, guided with some literature. Um, and, and it's such a beautiful place to go, beautifully nestled in the mountains of North Carolina. No technology, no televisions, no anything. Um, very peaceful. And it was time that we spent together praying, uh, reading, studying separately, and, and just talking about what, what God's will was for us. And during that time was when I first went to God with the question of, God, I, I've always told you that I wanted to do student ministry, and I've always been confident in that calling. But, God, you know that I would do whatever you asked me to do. And if that changes... Um, I want to know. And so, spent that time there, came back, um, very feeling pretty sure that, that I needed to keep doing what I was doing, that, that I was at peace in my role here. And then, Pastor Tim resigns. The news breaks that he's going somewhere else. God has led him to Defineac Springs in Florida. And many of you came to me with the question. Uh, many of you were very encouraging and very sweet and very gracious and asked me if, would you be interested in being our pastor? And again, my answer to so many of you was no. And that was the most honest answer that I could give. It was a no. And then at the beginning of the search committee process, Paul, as the chairman, came to me on a Wednesday night over in Resolute right before I was beginning with the students. And we sat in the little sound booth in the back, and he said, look, before we start this process, I want to ask you. I want to know what your intentions are, what your thoughts are. Do you have any desire or intention to be considered for the role of pastor at this church? And I told Paul that day, now, Paul, I have been thinking about it, and I have been praying about it, but no. 
nope, that's not me. Um, God's got somebody else, and they're going to be great, but it's not me. But I told Paul something else. I said, for that to happen, God would have to really, really change my heart. And if he does, you'll be the first one I talk to. So from May to November, I went through what I can see now as a time of shaping by the Holy Spirit. My prayer was still, God, I would do whatever you asked me to do if I can know for sure what that is. So I went through repeated seasons of returning to God and asking God, would he ever have me serve as the pastor of this church? Am I to be the next pastor? I would spend a season in prayer, and I would settle myself that the answer was no, and I would try to move on beyond that. And through a series of what at first seemed to be small coincidences and happenstance, God would force me back into his presence again. It was as if he would place the calling before me, and I would come to a conclusion and I would take that and set it to the side, and I would try to continue. But through different things, through different circumstances and different people, he continued to bring it back before me when I honestly didn't really want him to. <laughs> but each time he brought it back before me, my greatest desire has always been to be obedient to do whatever it is that he wanted me to do. And so each time he would bring it before me, I would go back to him and I would say, God, what, what does this mean? Does this mean anything? Is this just coincidence? Is this just, uh, it's just, the, just the way it is? I felt similar to Moses during this time. As God approached him, called him to lead the Hebrews out of Egypt and Moses was able to give God a pretty impressive list of all the limits and things that would disqualify him from playing that role. And I did that with God, and I actually had a very good list of reasons why I shouldn't be the pastor here. And I petitioned those to God and told him why that wouldn't be a thing. And then also I, I confessed my many fears to him. And I had to come face to face with the fact that fear was one of the greatest hindrances that I was experiencing in, in opening myself up to the possibility of what God was wanting to do in my life. I was very fearful at the time. I was fearful of rejection. Not, not so much a rejection corporately, but an individual rejection from people. I'm very relationship-driven. And I care very much about that. And the thought of experiencing rejection from people whom I value or people that I love within this church was scary to me. I had fear of failure, that I wouldn't be able to do what I was called upon to do. I had fears for our student ministry, what would happen to it. I think I can say this, and you know my heart, that there's not any group of people that I care more deeply about in this church than our students and children. And that's very important to me, and my fear of releasing that ministry to someone else 
was difficult. Fear of how they would react. Would they, be, would they think that I'm abandoning them? Are they afraid that I'm, I'm leaving them? Will they be hurt? I was very fearful of that. And I was also fearful that our church could never really accept me as its lead spiritual shepherd. It was in my mind that, Eric, there's people in... There's people at Lindale that will never see you as the pastor. They'll always see you as the youth guy. You'll always be the youth guy. And if you try to lead them as a pastor, they won't take you seriously. All of those things. All those things in my mind. And I was listening to all of those. But then God reminded me of a a lesson he had taught me a long time ago that I knew that was already cemented in my heart, but he had to remind me. And it was the meaning of a passage in Psalm 37, verse 4. And it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now God taught me what that verse meant when I was discovering my call to youth ministry back at my days at Shorter College. I was trying to discern the difference between what I wanted to do, and what God wanted me to do. I had desires at that time to leave and and move to Nashville. My original plan was to go to Nashville, Tennessee, attend Belmont University and be a music business major. And my goal was to be a part of the Christian music industry. You guys know how much of a music nerd I am. I wanted to be a part of the industry. At At a time, I had stars in my eyes and thought I wanted to be the next Stephen Curtis Chapman or somebody like that. But... Um, quickly I knew that 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 doesn't happen to very many people and so I was going to go the route of music business. But then as I transferred to Shorter, actually beginning as a business major, I began to build relationships with other ministry majors. And I knew that God was already placing a call on my life and I was trying to discern what that was and, and ministry was always a part of it. And ministry to to students was always a part of it. And so in my mind, I I created this plan of I'll go to Belmont, I'll be a music business major, I'll be a part of a music industry that has been a part of ministry to me, and so therefore I'll be ministering to other teenagers through my job and helping get music out to them. And I had this this plan. And God taught me in that season in trying to discern, how do I tell the difference, God, between what I want to do and what you want me to do? And I had always read that verse up until then as meaning, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That means that if I follow God, I diligently seek him, that he'll he'll give me the things I ask for. And what God taught me in that season is, no, that's absolutely not what I mean in that verse. But what God means is that if you delight yourself in him, if you make him the center of everything in your life, he will give you the desires of your heart. Meaning, if you will open up your heart to me, the desires that you find rising up in your heart will be placed there by me. I will give you the desires that you find in your heart. To where they don't just become my desire for you, but they become your desire for you. And your desire and my desire come together 
and then you can, you can walk and follow me in obedience. And so at that time, my prayer began to be, God, I'm willing to follow you. Change my heart. Make what you want for me what I want. Because I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself to be able to discern, God wants me to do this, but I want to do this. And so my prayer was simple. God, just make me want to do the same thing that you want me to do. And so now fast forward to here, that became my prayer here. God, I'm willing to do whatever you want. If this is what you want, you're going to have to change my heart, God. You'll have to give me the heart of a pastor because I don't have it. And it's difficult to recount each and every moment that God was using to shape me over these past months. Kim and I would discuss every aspect of the question we could and we would think and we would pray and we would seek the Lord together. And she was a huge encouragement to me even in those seasons that I continued to seek God and even when I thought I was settled on an answer that I was comfortable with. She would challenge my pursuit of that. And she would say to me, are you still praying about this? And she would challenge me because I would say, well, no, I'm not praying about it anymore because I've already figured out. The answer is no. And she would say, well, maybe you should, you know, don't you, maybe you shouldn't stop praying. I know. And then I would say things like this to her. Well, if the committee comes, the committee's gotten 70, 80 new resumes. If they go through all those run of resumes and, and they have no leads or they're back to square one, then, then I'll go back to God and ask him again. And that happened several times. Um, there was actually times when the committee was in pursuit of someone and I thought, good. There's somebody, they're, like they're on to something. There's, there's somebody that's, that they're pursuing. And then I would ask and Paul would say, no, God closed that door. He closed the door. We thought this guy might be the one, but he wasn't. God closed it. So each time that would happen, I would humbly come back before God and say, God, what does this mean? Also, in the past 10 months, God placed me in more pastoral moments being here in ministry in this church than I'd ever experienced before. Things that I thought I'd never be asked to do, but all of a sudden I was asked to do. And, and people were seeking ministry from me in new ways. And in each one of those situations, what God was doing was showing himself faithful to me to fill in the gaps that existed in my ability and show me that the ability for him to accomplish his will in me had much less to do with me than I wanted to think. To let me see that he could work in me and that he could also work in spite of me. And though he was showing me these things, I was still holding on to all of it and I was keeping it hidden. Because I knew that if I ever told anyone what I was wrestling with, that it would change everything. The only way I could keep control of it was to keep it to myself. And I was fearful of stepping into something that I wasn't 100% sure of. And then he reminded me of the truth that he taught me again when I made my transition from Antioch 
to Lindale over 16 years ago. God lovingly, as my father, says to me, I'll never tell you 100% what you're supposed to do. I'll never give you a burning bush. I'll never write it on a billboard on Shorter Avenue like you've asked me to do. <laughs> Has anybody else ever prayed that prayer? Like literally, I would drive down the road and I would say, God, just tell me what you want me to do. Put it on this billboard so that I'm the only one that can see it. Nobody else in the world will be able to read it. Uh, you can totally do that. And just let me see your word. Say, Eric, do this. And I will do it absolutely with no hesitation. And God just says to me, I'm never, ever, ever going to do that with you. And I would say, why not, God? <laughs> and God would remind me of Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Eric, I will never tell you 100% like that what I want you to do because that requires no faith on your part. I desire more for you to trust me and seek me in the things that you're not so sure about. So now fast forward to extreme winter this past December. We went with our, with our students. One of the things God showed me was the gummy bear <laughs> message. And you all have heard that already. That's one of the things God did in my heart at Extreme Winter, but this is something he also did. The very last sermon of the weekend, Tom Richter, an incredible communicator, was preaching, and he preached a passage in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And I want to read that passage to you, and then I want to tell you, and maybe you'll figure it out while I'm reading it. I want to tell you what God did with this sermon. Chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both, both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So I'm sitting with our students listening to this sermon, and Richter is, a, is an incredible storyteller. And he begins to break down what, what Peter's thought process might have been through this encounter with Jesus. And 
First of all, Jesus just hops in Peter's boat while Peter's over here washing his nets. And I can imagine Peter looking over going, who is that guy getting in my boat? And so he goes back over and he finds out that it's Jesus and he listens to him teach. And, and Jesus says, hey, can, why don't we go back out in the deep water? Go get your nets. <laughs> now this is Peter. <laughs> okay, Jesus, I don't, that sounds nice. But first of all, this is my boat. I decide what happens on my boat. Number two, we just finished cleaning our nets. We have been out all night fishing. We just finished cleaning them. And now you want us to take them back out there? That doesn't make any sense. And Jesus, if you didn't know, all the good fishing's done at night, not during the day. That's why we've been out all night long. Nobody goes fishing this time of day. We've never tried to go fishing this day, this time of day, because you never catch fish this time of day. So Jesus is kind of getting up in Peter's business. But Peter says something to Jesus that's really, really important and just echoed in my mind. Peter says, but because you said so, we'll go out. Now, whether Peter's heart was being sarcastic to say to, God, to Jesus, well, we know we're not going to catch anything, but because you say so, we'll go ahead and do it. Maybe. That's probably how I would have felt. But because you say so, we'll do it. And they catch the biggest load of fish they've ever seen. And they understand what's going on and they fall at Jesus' feet. And there's nothing that's going to stop them from following him. And when they come back onto the shore, it says that they left everything. Do you realize that? And, and, and Richter says this to, to all of us and to me. He says, do you realize when they came into the shore, they had the biggest load of fish they had ever seen in their entire lives. And that was money, money, money to fishermen. They didn't just leave their boats and their nets. They left the biggest financial windfall they had ever had. They left all of that and went and followed Jesus. And Richter said there are two things that, that Jesus is trying to do in Peter's heart. Two things that he's trying to get Peter to do. Could Peter release control of what was his to Jesus for his purpose? And could Peter trust Jesus even though it was illogical to Peter? And also, could he trust Jesus to do something that Peter didn't know what he, could, he was going to do? And there's no doubt that sitting in that room that day with those couple thousand teenagers, that God was asking me the same question. Will you let go of control and trust the consequences to me? And will you trust me even when you're not exactly sure what I'm doing or why? So as the sermon ended, I looked over at Kim. Not a word other than, did you hear what I just heard? And she turns to me and says, yep. I said, okay. I'll... Call Paul this week after we get home.
So I did. Called Paul at work one day. Said, I need to talk to you completely private, just between the two of us, no one else. And I shared my heart with him, what God had been showing and teaching and challenging in me. Even at that point, saying to Paul, I don't know if I'm supposed to be the pastor or not. But the one thing I do know is that I'm supposed to have this conversation with you. I'm supposed to call you and I'm supposed to talk to you because that, and I explained the sermon to him, explained what I felt God was saying, and I said, Paul, you and I having this conversation is me going out in deep water and letting go of my nets. I don't know what Jesus is going to do with the nets. But he's told me to come and let him go, and this is my letting go of my nets, talking to you. So then I said, if you, you can go back to the committee and you can share what I've shared with you. And only if all seven of you collectively have absolutely no reservations to want to even look at a resume from me, then I'll give you a resume. But if there's one person in that group that has a, a hesitation or says, I don't know if that's the direction we need to go, if one person says that, then I'm not even going to give you a resume. We're just not even going to go any further. And so he comes back and says, we want a resume. So, okay. So at this point, I knew what was happening. I knew that once I had this conversation with Paul, that control of what happened after that was completely out of my hands. And God knew that as well. And it became not trusting in my discernment, but trusting in what the Holy Spirit was going to do in this group. And so they took my resume, and I said, I'm not even going to have a meeting with you guys unless all seven of you collectively have no reservations and you all agree and are united. If one person's not, then I'm, we're not even talking. And so they said, no, we all agree. And then when we had our first meeting with them, we shared our hearts with them the best way we could. And, and I said, please, 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 going forward from this point, do not treat me any differently than you would treat somebody that you didn't know. I want to go through every step of the process exactly the way it should be done because if this is not a door that God wants to open, I want to give him every opportunity possible to close it because I'm not interested in walking through any door that you open or I open. I only want to walk through the door that's opened by Jesus don't have any interest in anything else my heart is not to move up in a position I've always seen myself and thought I would be a career youth guy I thought I would be 60 years old and maybe still trying to be relevant to teenagers <laughs> I thought I would be 60 years old and still trying to relate to them and teach them truth from God's word I don't have any desire to have to, to move up guys do that in ministry I, I've never had that desire and still don't my only desire is to obey the moving of God's Holy Spirit in my heart and in the heart of this church so there's lots of things that I don't know even now there's lots of things I haven't figured out but I do trust that God will show them and reveal those things to us. But there are some things that I can stand here before you today and tell you that I do know. I know that God has answered my prayer and changed my heart 
and given me the desire to be your pastor that for so long I did not have. I know that God has moved in Kim's heart as well. And he's taken her through a transformation that's been much like mine. I know that my boys understand what God has done and what he's doing. And they are all completely willing They're willing and ready to do whatever God leads us to do. I can say that we used to be afraid, but we're not afraid anymore. We're not scared. I know that God has a beautiful plan for what he desires to do in this church. I don't know every detail of the plan, but I do believe that he has already shown me pieces of that plan. That he will continue to bring together to create a beautiful picture for what his will is for First Baptist Lindale. I also know the responsibility and the weight of it. And I also know that the weight is something much greater than I will ever be able to bear without the strength of the Lord being made perfect in all of my many weaknesses. And I know that no matter what happens from here, no matter what happens, that I've been obedient to what God has asked me to do so far. And I know that my heart is set to continue in that same obedience, no matter what the direction is. So there are two verses I want to close with. Proverbs 16.9 and Proverbs 19.21. In their hearts... Humans plan the course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It is God's purpose that will prevail in this church. Not a doubt in my mind at all.